Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching, The Fusion Reactor Inside of You. Hallelujah. All right, this morning, I'm going to teach on something that I call the fusion reactor inside of you. People are like, oh my gosh, what church did I come to? I'll say it again. The fusion reactor inside of you. And with a name like that, you can be sure we'll be touching on a bit of science as we move through the teaching. So many of you know that I pledge to preach on science and the Bible on a regular basis because it's part of what I'm called to do. But some of our newer folks don't know that about me and that don't know about my background, so I thought I'd spend a few minutes catching everybody up. It's kind of a long story, but in the not-so-distant past, the Lord led me to go back to school and get my Ph.D. in engineering. And after finishing the program... I spent some time as a postdoctorate researcher in the field of micro and nanosystems engineering. Now, just to let you know what that's about, it's the engineering and making of devices and systems at the micro and the nano level. Micro means one time 10 to the minus 6. Nano means one time 10 to the minus 9. So when you talk nanometers... You're talking a billionth of a meter. I know that means nothing to anybody, so I'm going to give you a picture that you can visualize. The standard sheet of paper is about 100,000 nanometers thick or thin, depending on which way you want to think about it. During that time, I also taught engineering, mathematics, and statistics, and I was a technology center director. I was privileged to hang around with some of the smartest people on the planet. And during that time in my life, while I was walking in the world of science and engineering, the Lord opened a door for me to run a two-year Bible school at our home church in Louisiana for 10 years. And my wife was at my side as the school administrator for seven out of ten of those years. And they were by far the most productive because you guys know about Miss Trish and her organizational skills. Amen. We are the perfect complement. I'm the big picture vision guy. She's the little picture detail person. And the two go hand in hand and together we do great things. Amen. Give it up for Miss Trish. So. It was probably the most rewarding time in my life up to that point where I was able to walk in the world of science and technology while simultaneously walking in the world of biblical truth. And I know that the Lord expects me to use that unique background and the melding of those two worlds to reach certain people that will not be reached with the standard gospel. To declare to the scientific intellectual unbeliever that God's word is true and that science, contrary to what many people teach today, 
does not contradict the Bible, but rather it complements the Bible. Whether some folks like to admit it or not, the God of the Bible is also the God of science. And people need to hear that message, especially in this age of so-called scientific enlightenment. If science is just a different form of truth, as I believe it is, it has to line up with and agree with the ultimate source of truth, which is the Word of God. Listen to the words of Jesus concerning the topic of truth. John 17, verse 17. I'll be reading in the New King James Version. That's John 17, verse 17. If you want to try and keep up and not just depend on the cheat screens, you can turn in your device or your Bible to John 17, 17. Jesus said concerning his disciples whom he was praying for, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means to set apart. Jesus was saying, Father, I want you to set apart my believers with your truth. And the way they're going to be set apart is the truth of the word of God. So in this statement, Jesus is affirming that the word of God is the ultimate source of truth In all the universe. And that's why the Apostle Paul said that any kind of scientific reasoning that opposed the Word of God was false science. 1 Timothy 6, verse 20 in the King James Version. That is 1 Timothy 6, verse 20. Now, Timothy was a protege of Paul. And pastor of the largest church in the world at that time, they estimate the church at Ephesus had about 100,000 members. So he's talking to Timothy here. Now, Timothy was born of a Greek father and a Jewish mother. So I believe the evidence here indicates that Timothy was probably influenced by the science and philosophical reasoning of the Greek culture. Consequently, Paul advises him about that. And he says here, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. Amen. If your science or your philosophy is opposed to the word of God, the Bible says it's false science and false philosophy. So let's get right into the word this morning and take a closer look at Jesus as he is portrayed prophetically by the prophet Malachi. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. In the English Standard Version, Malachi chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, When all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts. So that it will leave them neither root nor branch. That's pretty harsh. 
Leaving them with no root or branch means there's no coming back from this kind of judgment. Verse 1 is actually talking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And the prophet Malachi tells us there's a burning judgment coming in that day for the wicked and the ungodly. Kind of too horrible to contemplate, but true nevertheless. Verse 2. But for you who fear my name, and that's a reverential fear and awe. But for you who fear and revere my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Amen. So verse 2 is actually talking about the first coming of the Lord. And Malachi makes it clear that God has something different in store for his beloved, for those who fear or reverence his name. Amen. He says the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. Let's read this in the MSG, the monosodium glutamate version. All you Chinese food lovers know what I'm talking about, right? No, let's read it in the message translation. Malachi 4, verse 1 and 2. Count on it. The day is coming, raging like a forest fire. All the arrogant people who do evil things will be burned up like stove wood. Burned to a crisp. Nothing left but scorched earth and ash. A black day. I'll say... But for you, sunrise, the sun of righteousness will dawn on those who honor my name, healing, radiating from its wings. You will be bursting with energy like colts, frisky and frolicking. Amen. How many are ready to frolic already at what I've been preaching on? Amen. This is the crux of the lesson today. It's fairly fundamental, although we are going to delve into a little bit of science. This is the crux of what we're going to be talking about today. Notice in verse 2 that Malachi and the Word of God uses our son, S-U-N, as a prophetic metaphor for the son, S-O-N, of righteousness. King James even, even capitalizes S-U-N because it recognizes this is talking about the son of righteousness, not the son that's 93 million miles away from the earth. And the son of righteousness is, of course, Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that right? And when he rises, the prophet says, healing power, life-giving energy, and joy will emanate from his wings from his rays, or from his radiation. So I want you to think about radiation here. I'm building a picture for you in your mind and heart of what is already living inside of you, whether you realize it or not. Glory to God, church. We're living in the day that Malachi prophesied about. And we can say with faith and confidence that the Son of Righteousness has not only risen from the dead, He has risen within us. 
Jesus himself, after he was raised from the dead, conferred his righteousness to his believers. And with that righteousness, he conferred salvation, healing, deliverance, and great joy. I tell you what, I'm getting happy just hearing myself talk about it. So since the prophet Malachi uses the sun as a metaphor for the sun, I thought it would be helpful if we took a look at some fun facts about our sun, S-U-N. Our sun is an enormous burning ball of hydrogen and helium that is roughly 93 million miles away from planet Earth. I've already said that. And just to let you know how far away that is, it takes the light that leaves the sun's surface 8 minutes and 20 seconds to reach the Earth. For if some reason the sun was to be snuffed out, we wouldn't know about it for eight and a half minutes. Oh my God, the sun just went out. Actually, it went out eight minutes and 20 seconds ago there, Dr. Scott. So one of the reasons that the sun is so far away is obvious. Because it is so large and so hot, if our planet was any closer, we would not survive. We would be toast, like Malachi talked about earlier, burned to a crisp. So how large is the sun? Well, here's a picture for you. The big ball of burning hydrogen and helium is the sun. The next dot that you can't even see is the moon, and the next one to that is the earth. Kind of humbles you to think about how small the earth is compared to the sun. So let me just tell you some numbers. The diameter of the sun is about 840,000 miles as compared to the diameter of the earth, which is about 8,000 miles. Volume-wise, it would take 1.3 million earths to fill the volume of the sun. Whoo! All right, that's fun to think about, but this is even funner to think about. How hot is the sun? It's actually very hot. <laughs> the core of the sun burns at 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. 27 million degrees. Woo. In that core, there is a fusion reactor that takes the available mass of hydrogen and converts it to helium and releases in the process an enormous amount of energy in the form of heat and light. Just to give you some idea how much energy is being produced by our sun, it converts, listen to this, 4.4 million tons of mass into energy every second. I got to say that again, just to get some more wows. The sun converts 4.4 million tons of mass into energy every second. Thank you for saying it loud enough to get picked up by the podcast. 
So just as a side note, just so I can get some Einstein stuff in here, this conversion of mass into energy is described by Einstein's famous equation. Slide, please. E equals mc squared. We all go to bed meditating on this, don't we? <laughs> by the time those fusion reactions on the inside of that fusion reactor work their way outward from within our sun, the temperature drops from 27 million degrees at the core to a balmy 10,000 degrees at the surface. Now that may sound cooler than the core, and it is actually much cooler than the core, but it's still hot enough to melt lead, to boil carbon, graphite, and even diamonds. And diamonds are known as the hardest substance in the universe. And a woman's best friend, my wife says. So here's an interesting and eye-opening factoid that I thought I'd share with you. Relating the sun and the earth. Recent measurements taken have indicated that the core of the earth may actually be even hotter than the surface of the sun. Now that's a wow moment. <laughs> kind of an unpleasant parallel to another place at the core of the earth, wouldn't you say? Hell may be in another dimensional realm at the core of the earth, but I'm betting that somehow, someway, they share that heat. Thank God there's a lot of rock between the core and the surface of the earth. And thank God Jesus came to spare us from the coming judgment that would put us in a place like hell. Amen. If you can't thank him for anything else, thank him for delivering you from hell. So why all the sun facts? What's the point? Well, I wanted you to know that this conversion of mass into energy that occurs inside our sun is called nuclear fusion, which makes our sun quite literally a gigantic nuclear fusion reactor. And that fusion reactor is capable of producing enormous levels of energy and light, making life on earth possible. Amen to that. So I want to shift now from the sun and that amazing fusion reactor to the fusion reactor that lives on the inside of you. Stay with me. You're going to go, you're, you're looking at me like, you're losing me there. Now just stay with me. I realize I may have overwhelmed some of you with some of the science, so let me reassure you that I'm going to get to the point that I wanted to make this morning. Listen to me. Each one of us in this room, if you're born again, especially if you are spirit-filled, has a fusion reactor of your own burning on the inside of you. And whether you realize it or not, the fusion reactor on the inside of you is much more powerful and produces much more light and much more energy than the light and energy that emanates from the sun. You're going, what? I got something like that on the inside of me. Granted, listen, it's a different kind of light. It's a different kind of energy. But it's way more powerful 
than natural light and natural energy. Why? Because it's the same light, it's the same power, it's the same energy that created the universe, the same light, power, and energy that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Romans 8, 11. Everybody knows this one. Most of us do. I'm going to read it first in the King James Version. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now that's kind of King Jamesian, so I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified Version. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Amen. Amen. The same spirit. Listen, get this in your heart and mind. Get this down in your spirit. The very same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is now dwelling actively inside of you. Amen. The spirit of the living God was indwelling inside the body of Jesus. And it was that indwelling spirit, that Holy Spirit fusion reactor of a higher degree of limitless power that raised Christ up from the dead. It was a tremendous burst of energy that raised him from the dead. I want to talk for a few minutes about the Shroud of Turin. For those of you who are not familiar with the Shroud of Turin, it is believed to be the burial shroud of Jesus himself. It's kept in Turin, Italy, where from time to time the keepers allow it to undergo scientific analysis. The amazing thing about the shroud is there appears to be an image of a man that was crucified, that was burned onto the shroud by a sudden burst of some unknown kind of energy. Now, the shroud was placed underneath from head to toe and folded overhead from head to toe in such a way that this radiation produced a symmetrical image of the top and the bottom of this crucified man. Amen. What you're looking at there is the front or the top, depending on the way you want to think about it. If you look very careful, very carefully in between those burn lines, those lines that are real, real bright were caused by a fire that happened there and almost burned up the shroud. Thank God it didn't. But you can see in the center there a man with a beard and looks like he had a, like a crown of thorns on his head. There's some blood there on his head. You see his chest, his arms, his legs. And then the next slide shows you the bottom. You see his backside. You cut off the head to the right there, but you can see his backside, and you can see some blood down on the feet there where he had the nails in his feet. So there are many who believe that this is not just an image of a man that was crucified. This is an image of Jesus Christ that was crucified, and I am one that believes that it is. I mean, the evidence is, is almost overwhelming. One of the things that I read about was they have sophisticated modern-day image analysis 
that looked at the eyes of Jesus on the front side, and they've been able to find coins that they placed on Jesus' eyes that they had the image of the Caesar who ruled during his day. Definitely proof that this is something supernatural. This shroud first appeared in like 1200 in the Middle Ages. Those people did not have that kind of technology to produce something like this, to fake an image of a crucified man. They just didn't. It's impossible. This is an amazing, amazing artifact. Amen. All right, so concerning the Shroud of Turin and the image that it portrays, it's been analyzed up one side and down the other with all type of scientific analysis. And one of the things that they deduced is that the radiation that produced this image came from within the man. Isn't that amazing? So I was listening to a nuclear physicist who analyzed the radiation pattern that produced the image of the shroud, and she said some things that absolutely stunned me, and I think it'll stun you too. She said that the image had no deformation on the backside, indicating that just before this burst of radiation occurred, the body of the man was lifted up, levitated, and suspended in the air. Didn't Jesus say, destroy this temple, and after three days, I will raise it up? Evidently, that raising up started with him lifting up off of the gravestone he was laying on. And it appears, as I said, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ quite literally started with a lifting up of his body. She said that the radiation appeared to emanate from within the body of the man, producing this symmetrical image on the top and bottom of the shroud. Finally, what absolutely blew me away was this. The nuclear physicist said that the pattern of radiation she discerned from her observation of the shroud was identical to that of the Big Bang expansion from which the entire universe was created let that sink in let that sink in in other words the resurrection of jesus christ was a creative event and in my opinion one that took more power than what god used when he created the universe same burst of the same kind of energy raised jesus christ from the dead and a new kind of being was created that day. One that had never before existed. An immortal, incorruptible being that was the prototype and the forerunner of us all. And the amazing truth of the matter is this. If you're born again, if you're spirit-filled, that same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. There is universe-creating, raising from the dead Power living on the inside of you right here and right now. There's enough power in this room to raise every dead person on the planet. And one day that resurrection power that lives on the inside of you will transform your body from the inside out. Mortal will put on immortality and corruptible will put on incorruption. 
In the twinkling of an eye, Paul says, in a moment's time, we will be changed into the same kind of being that Jesus is today. We will be just like him in Captain Kirk's speak. We will be just like him. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 53. I'm sorry, I apologize ahead of time to the young people for using so much King James, but the, the poetry and the way this is spoken cannot be matched in any other translation. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 to 53. Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Amen. This is taken from a passage where he talks about the rapture of the church. The rapture will occur one day. And those that are alive and remain when Jesus comes back, they'll be changed in place. They'll never suffer death. And those that might have gone on to the grave, they will come back in spirit and soul with Jesus, retrieve their dead bodies, and their bodies will be changed. The Bible says they'll be first in line to get their new bodies. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Amen. Glory to God. I'm just getting excited thinking about that. A body that is incorruptible, sinless, immortal, cannot be killed, cannot be injured. Can you imagine the fun stuff you can do if you couldn't kill yourself? <laughs> like jumping off of waterfalls and stuff, you know? I don't know, but unless he tells me not to, I'm going to be doing stuff like that. My wife says, you can do it alone, baby. So let me wrap it up by saying this. You don't have to confine your faith to the day that you get your new body to appropriate the promise of Romans 8.11. You don't. Although our bodies are aging, we don't have to put up with the corruption of sickness and disease. Deuteronomy 28 and Galatians 3.13. If you read through it, you'll find out that we've been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease. We can believe God that the preserving influence of the fusion reactor with limitless power that lives on the inside of us can ward off any sickness, any disease, any pain so that we live out the number of our days. Exodus 23, 24, and 25 promises that we will live out the number of our days. What's the number of our days? The days we're supposed to live. Every day without sickness and disease. Why? Because we have a call. You can't go to the world if you're laid up sick. You've got to be strong. You've got to be healthy. I'm getting a little older, so I'm starting to embrace the spirit of Caleb. Caleb was 85 years old. The Bible says he was as strong as he was when he was in his 40s. He went to Joshua and said, listen, there's a mountain that I would like to take for me and my family. And Joshua, this is my paraphrase, said, go take your mountain. 
And this 85-year-old man took his men, and they took the mountain, which had giants living in it. Amen. If an 85-year-old dude can take on a mountain of giants, I can live strong to 85 and beyond because of the call of God on my life. Amen. Amen. So let me tell you about my confession. My wife, she hears it all the time. She'll come in and out of the bathroom when I'm in the shower, and I don't know she comes in and out because she does it so quietly, and I'll be right in the midst of my confession. And she, she's almost memorized it herself because she's heard it so often. Let me tell you what I say over myself almost every day before I start my day. Maybe not every element of this confession, but the high points sometimes. But I'm always speaking over my body. And I encourage you to use the Word of God and come up with your own version and speak it over yourselves as often as you can. So this is what I say. Jesus himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. And with his stripes, I was healed and I am healed. That's Matthew 8, 16, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, Romans 8, 11. Like a fusion reactor with limitless power, the light, the life, the power, and the glory of God himself radiates from the inside of my innermost being. It starts in my spirit. It penetrates my soul. It touches every single one of my 10 trillion cells. It touches every organ, every body system, obliterates, incinerates, vaporizes, and kills on contact every sickness, every disease in my body. It kills virus, harmful bacteria, fungus, unwanted growths and cancer on contact. It preserves my vital organs and regulates all my body systems. It purges my veins, arteries, and heart valves of blockage, obstruction, and restriction so that blood flows freely to all parts of my body. Therefore, I do not have heart disease, heart attacks, strokes, or any such thing. It gives me keen eyesight and outstanding hearing, Proverbs 20:12. All my body levels are kept at safe, and healthy levels for me. I am free of sickness and disease and pain, and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. John 8, 36. I speak all of this or portions of this over myself constantly because I believe I'm going to stay strong to 85 and beyond. I encourage you to come up with your own saying, Dig into the word. Find out what the word says about your body and your healing. And uh, make up your own confession. And don't just confess it. The Bible says you've got to confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. And when you do, it will manifest in your soul and in your body. I've seen it happen. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's message, The Fusion Reactor Inside of You. If you were blessed by this message and would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at GoFaithLife.com. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us. 
on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.